KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Good morning. I'm Matt Hoffman. It's Friday, April 1st. How farm workers are voting to unionize. More on that next, but first, let's get to the headlines. Eviction protections are being extended through June for hundreds of thousands of Californians who've applied for rent relief but haven't actually received it yet. On the final day of Women's History Month, California's lieutenant governor signed the legislation into law. In doing so, Eleni Kunalakis became the first woman in state history to sign a bill into law. The San Diego Housing Commission is looking at extending operations for another downtown homeless shelter. Board members are voting today whether to approve having the nonprofit Alpha Project continue operating the tent shelter along Imperial Avenue. The contract is just for a year with three options to renew. The Housing Commission would pay Alpha Project just under $3 million per year to continue overseeing the 139-bed facility. Experts are predicting an increase in cases, with the more contagious BA2 variant now the dominant strain in the U.S., but federal pandemic funding is running out. Federal officials are already cutting state allocations for potentially life-saving monoclonal antibody treatments. The availability of COVID testing and vaccinations will start to dwindle if no action is taken. Dr. Eric Topol is director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. This is the last time in the world to cut funding, essential funding, whether it's testing, vaccines, monoclonal antibodies, treatments like Paxlovid pills. This is crazy. State health officials say that their priority remains ensuring that everyone, regardless of their ability to pay or insurance status, has access to testing and vaccines. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news that you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. On the day California honored the late labor leader, Cesar Chavez, members of the union that he co-founded were taking to the streets. They were protesting in 13 cities, including here in San Diego. Leaders of United Farm Workers are demanding to meet with Governor Gavin Newsom about pending legislation that would allow farm workers to vote to unionize by mail. UFW Foundation Executive Director Diana Tellefson Torres says farm workers are being intimidated by supervisors and owners. The fact that other voters who voted for the governor in the previous election had the opportunity to vote from home, why shouldn't farm workers have the same opportunity? Newsom vetoed similar legislation last year because of, quote, inconsistencies and procedural issues with collecting and reviewing ballot cards. (music) 
In honor of Chavez, some volunteers chose to spend yesterday serving their community. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us more. There were no classes at Cal State San Marcos in honor of Cesar Chavez Day. But rather than sleep in, more than 200 volunteers showed up bright and early for a day of service. Ethnic studies professor Marcelo Garza Montalvo joined volunteers at one of the seven service sites. He says the day also serves as a reminder of the fight that continues. We still have um, a lot of exploitation and problems that are happening in our food system. And so I hope today is also a reminder that every time we eat food, we have to give thanks to a farm worker. Sites included the Agua Hedionda Lagoon, San Pascual Academy, the Boys and Girls Club in Vista, and Community Roots Farm in Oceanside. Volunteers helped with different projects, whatever was needed at each site. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. A class of Navy ships with a long history in San Diego are now on the chopping block. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says the vessels never worked out the way that the Navy expected. The littoral combat ship was designed to be small and fast. Critics say it was also overly ambitious. The Navy announced this week that it wants to decommission nine LCSs early, one less than two years old, all from the ship's mechanically troubled freedom class, says Brian Clark, a former naval officer with the Hudson Institute. The ships had lots of problems. The ships have had to been towed back to port. Uh, ships have been able to, unable to go on deployment. Um, ships have been stranded uh, in places where they had to be repaired in place. So those have all been really uh, problems of the freedom class. Most LCSs are less than 10 years old. San Diego will still become home for all 16 of the Independence-class ships after the last of the LCSs are delivered. If Congress agrees with the Navy, the few remaining freedom-class ships will be based in Florida. Steve Walsh, KPBS News. The American digital divide is nothing new, but the COVID pandemic shined a bright new light on the gap between those who could use the internet and those who didn't know how. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge tells us of the effort to get seniors and other people digitally connected to protect their health and reduce their isolation. Tish Fleming lives in San Diego's Gaslamp District, and she remembers the beginning of the pandemic when everything seemed to be closing down. And the only companions people had were the ones they lived with, if there was anyone at all. I couldn't see my family, my granddaughter. You know, everybody was separated, and it was very, very difficult for me um, not to be able to be with them, not to be able to go to church. Fleming, who's 78 years old, says that social isolation ultimately forced her to learn to go online. The health risk of the pandemic may have been the greatest concern for isolated seniors. They were among the people most likely to suffer hospitalization or death as a result of a COVID infection. In fact, many of them didn't know how to get the things they needed as retail stores and other services shut down. And then the pandemic was just dragging on and on and on. And it became very, very difficult to accomplish the basic daily tasks. Get your medication refilled. Simona Valenciute is president of San Diego Oasis, which helps seniors stay engaged in healthy activities. Seniors are often, you know, not so technology-oriented. They like to come in and say, I would like to make an appointment. They love to come in and make a joke and talk about the weather with their banker. With the pandemic, San Diego Oasis created online versions of their classes and programs. The next steps were to get the client's computer tablets and teach them how to use them. 
They got grant funding to purchase new tablets, and they were careful to get ones that were very user-friendly. So that, you know, you give this tablet to a person who's never had internet or a smartphone. There's not 200 icons on it. So we cleared it out, we made it very simple, and we dedicated one full-time staff member to do nothing but deliver these tablets and do one-on-one -on -one training. The situation was similar for San Diego County officials who were responsible for reaching people who needed COVID-19 tests and later vaccinations. Nick Maschione, director of the San Diego County Health and Human Services Agency, said the lack of computer skills and access for some people was a primary concern. In terms of our COVID response, um, there were two groups when we started. And... Um, we were looking at initially those that had the ability with technology and how to use that, and then the other groups that did not. The state and the county provided information about COVID testing and vaccination online, but the pandemic required additional efforts to reach people who weren't digitally connected. The key thing was connecting with people where they're at, where they were living. So literally the old-fashioned knocking on doors or going to markets or going to different civic organizations or places of worship. Like Oasis, San Diego County took steps to try to connect people to the internet. It created how-to videos to teach seniors how to order groceries online or set up a Facebook account. Today, Mashione thinks San Diego has a much more sophisticated elderly population when it comes to technology. Valanchute agreed and added that today's social realities demand that elderly people work to join the online world. Human-to-human -human connection is sort of diminishing over time. But again, the good news is seniors are smart people. With the right support and the right rhythm to the learning, they will be lifelong technology users. One of those seniors who has had to learn to use a computer tablet provided by San Diego Oasis is Bernadette Kubaki. She says using the Internet has opened up her world. I started taking uh, art classes. The teacher's talking about some part of a painting, and I'm able to spread it out and take a look at it. Still, life with a computer only gets you so far. I wouldn't be someone who'd be sitting in front of it all day. There's a lot of other things to do in life. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. Coming up in the South Bay, Russian migrants are organizing a special concert for Ukrainian refugees. Who's behind it next? I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
This Sunday, musicians from the Baja California Orchestra will be in Chula Vista for a special charity concert for Ukrainian refugees. The orchestra was founded by Russian migrants after the fall of the Soviet Union. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis says it still has a close connection with Eastern Europe. Pablo Getman was born in Ukraine and joined the Baja California Orchestra in 1993. There weren't many opportunities for classical musicians back then. Ukraine had just separated from Russia and the economy had totally collapsed, Getman says. It was like living in the U.S. during the 1930s. So he went to Tijuana. His wife, a pianist named Oksana Bulgakova, joined him in 2004. Both of them have family in Ukraine, and right now, they're living in underground bunkers to protect themselves from the Russian missile attacks. Being so far away has left them feeling helpless, like they can't do anything about it. So they are organizing a concert for Ukrainian war refugees. La música que nos une, a lo mejor, lo único que nos queda, ¿no? Como el Titanic, ¿no? La orquesta que estaba tocando hasta el último. Music unites us, he says. It's all we have right now. He feels a little bit like the orchestra that played as the Titanic sank. The concert will be held this Sunday at Modern Day High School in Chula Vista. It will feature musicians from Ukraine, Russia, the U.S., and Mexico. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. WonderCon is Comic-Con International's sister convention and is serving up a smaller, less crowded pop-up culture event. Comic-Con had a scaled-back special edition last November, so this weekend's WonderCon marks the nonprofit organization's first full show since the pandemic hit. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando has this preview. Nathan Seekerman is a kind of superhero. For one, he's cosplayed as steampunk Han Solo and Captain America. And while he might be disguised as a mild-mannered programmer, he does display superpowers in fabricating spectacular costumes out of thin air. I'm a programmer as a day job, but programming background lent itself immediately to being a 3D modeler so that you start to draw your own stuff, you start to print it out. I've got a plan to do something new, unusual, We'll call it a clone Mando. Doing a mashup of Star Wars characters will also be the topic of a Friday panel he's on. The Star Wars Samurai universe, and we're going to be talking about the impact of samurai armor culture on the Star Wars universe. One of the things that I'm going to get to talk about specifically is a samurai Captain Phasma armor. Seekerman was commissioned by Bandai to build a life-sized version of its toy, inspired by the character from The Force Awakens. The stunning creation Seekerman made mixes Japanese armor techniques with do-it-yourself ingenuity and modern materials. The result looks exactly like the toy mashup, but can also be worn eight hours at a convention. Each project represents a journey for Seekerman. It's like I've learned how to do something. I've gone and presented it. I've received appreciation for the work and and the storytelling, and then an invitation to doing charity events, and then maybe do some commissions. Like many cosplayers, he does a lot of charity work, often with kids, which means a costume has to allow you to do one thing. You gotta find a way that you can get down to their level, and now you can make a connection, so. Yeah, got to be able to kneel. 
Although Comic-Con has a reputation for cosplay, WonderCon may actually outdo its sister convention. Comic-Con International spokesperson David Glanzer says the WonderCon cosplay community is great. Typically on Sunday, when the doors close at 5 o'clock and everybody's kind of being ushered out, the cosplayers stay in the courtyard area, take pictures, you know, mingle with each other. Nobody wants to leave, and I don't blame them. Now that WonderCon is finally back in person, it's not just cosplayers celebrating that sense of community. Glanzer says that's one of the lessons learned from putting on the scaled-back Comic-Con special edition in November. People really did want to get together again. People wanted to see their friends in person as opposed to, you know, a, a computer screen. This weekend's WonderCon is the nonprofit organization's first full-fledged show since the pandemic hit in 2020. It's always been a smaller show than Comic-Con, so you might be able to buy passes at the show. Plus, the Anaheim Convention Center affords WonderCon room to expand. We have enough space to be able to accommodate uh, you know, a lot more people if need be. There's a lot of programming space, a lot of exhibit space, so people can be a little less frantic about that. That means less waiting in massive lines and more time to walk the exhibit floor and attend panels. There'll be a couple Hollywood panels, most notably one on Bob's Burgers movie, plus the usual diverse range of panels covering everything from queer creators to the science and history of Doctor Who to monsters for everyone. You can also learn how to paint miniatures, build an R2, and learn to do cosplay makeup. Masks have always been popular at WonderCon, but this year there'll be a mandatory COVID mask requirement as well as proof of vaccination. With WonderCon back, people are also looking forward to Comic-Con's return this summer. But the show's essentially sold out because tickets purchased in 2019 have been rolled over. As we wrap WonderCon, we'll look more fully into Comic-Con, decide if there's something that we can do. What we need is a convention TARDIS that's bigger on the inside and can fit more people. Where's that doctor when we need him or her? Beth Accomando, KPBS News. WonderCon runs today through Sunday at the Anaheim Convention Center. Well, that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Matt Hoffman. It's my last day filling in here on the podcast, and I would be lying if I said I wasn't going to miss you guys. Brooke Ruth helped produce the podcast this week. Annika Colbert is back with you guys on Monday. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.